0: Thanks for joining us on episode 1,324 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast.
1: I'm Michael Jaquith. I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability as men to really understand themselves is key. And one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mater. I start with some real basics. Who are you? What are you? Whose are you? Identity questions. Those Having that solid identity is what enables you to be a man. If you're drifting, if you don't know the answer to who you are, what you are, and whose you are, then you have no chance of standing up in the fire, because the fire's going to come.
0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's podcast episode, I interview Michael Jackwith. Michael shares with you his journey to becoming a coach for men. I also asked Michael to share with you what a man really is to him and why so many men feel unequipped. And Michael also shares with you a bit about his faith and how it brought him to the place he is at today. One reason I like to bring you great interviews like the one you're going to hear today is because of the power in learning from others. Another great way to learn from others is through reading books. But if you're like most people today, you find it hard to find the time to sit down and read. And that's why today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to sign up and you can get a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. And instead of reading, you can listen your way to learn from some of the greatest minds out there. That's inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to get your free trial and listen to great books the same way you're listening to this podcast. Dr. Michael Jackwith is a PhD chemist who left the corporate world and now helps men everywhere discover how to escape addictions and live a more meaningful and fulfilling life. Certified through the Life Coach School with a specialization in addiction, he combines cutting-edge science and coaching expertise with the time-honored teachings of the faith. Michael is married with six children and lives in rural northern Idaho. Welcome to the show, Michael.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Scott. I'm excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. It's great to have you here. And I talked a little bit about in your intro about some of your background and some of the different things that you've done before. But can you talk a little bit more about what brought you from working chemist, working in corporate world, doing these things to now... Specializing and being a coach like you are with around addiction and these these areas like that.
1: Absolutely. And it is a weird transition. There's not a lot of like serious researchy people that are in the, in the corporate world that decide, I'm going to go entrepreneurial and to go be a life coach because that sounds like a good logical the next move. And, and really, the short answer there is, God told me to go this direction. And you'd be like, oh, Michael's got a landline t- to God. I'll talk to him. No, it's always the school of hard knocks. And so there's a lot of little things that happened. There's a lot of spots where I just dragged my feet. But when I was doing the corporate work, I had some challenges where I was working in terms of the faith was already being a thing. The woke stuff was starting to come in. And that was a part of it. But even that wouldn't have been enough to get me out. God also really blessed me with some amazing mentors in my life and then gave me some opportunities to mentor some amazing other guys. And that together really helped point as well. But really, I think, Scott, what really drove it forward is I'll remember the time that I was praying and I had felt this call for a while to leave the corporate world, go to this entrepreneurial thing. And I'm sitting there in prayer. I'm actually at church and I've got a notebook with me and I just, I'm just grappling with this. And I write down on one side of the piece of paper, every reason to stay in the corporate world. And I write down on the other side of the paper, every reason to go entrepreneurial. And I felt like God just walked me through each item and said, the corporate world is about you trusting money, you trusting things of the world, you choosing safety, security from the world. And the entrepreneurial side is where I'm calling you to. And so I said, all right, God, we'll do this.
0: Mm. Yeah. That kind of, I think comes to mind for a lot of folks and a lot of the folks listening have that feeling of they're trapped in maybe it's a corporate job, maybe it's a, a business that they own, whatever it is. They're 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 trapped where they are, but yet they know that there's someplace else that they're supposed to be. How long did it take you to actually make the transition from beginning to think maybe I should to, nope, I've actually made it.
1: It was over a year. And I was totally wearing two hats for a little while there we in the middle there. That wasn't really fair to my old job. And I think that's also part of what pushed me along. But I'd say it was probably six months of me knowing that God was nudging me me saying, nope, maybe another three months. We were wearing both hats. And then the last three months just to wrap up things at the corporate job.
0: And as you made that transition, what were some of the the thoughts you were going through, the emotion that you were going through. You mentioned doing the pros and cons list and all the by the way, spoken like a <laughs> engineer. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a research person background, make a pros and cons list. If I didn't have, but uh, not that I've ever done that before. <laughs> <laughs> Today. <laughs> but I've done it. So what what were some of the emotions and, and thoughts and fears that you had to navigate as you made that transition?
1: At that point, my wife was pregnant with her third child. And so there was definitely a really big fear in me about providing for the family. It's easy, Scott, when you're just like a solo dude to be like, I'm going to go roll the dice. But when you have got, you're married, your wife's pregnant, you got two little ones at home. There's a lot of fear that can, like, I've got to bring home the bacon because, you know, the kids still want to eat. And the kids don't want to be living in the back of the car. Like, that just doesn't seem like a, the right adventure for them right now. Um, another big one was really doubting myself. Am I sure that God's calling me to this? am I really sure? And so I think that was one of the biggest pushbacks. One of the big confirmations there for me was how supportive my wife was of it, which was mind blowing to me. Cause so I'm like, you're six months pregnant. What do you want me to leave my job right now? And she was like, yeah, I do. I'm like, okay, that that's a pretty powerful message there. But I think there was one more feeling there. And there's this feeling of freedom, this excitement a little bit, because I saw the potential of what I could do And not being stuck to do the corporate dance, to put the little rainbow thing under your signature in the email, whatever the thing is, I know you guys all have had to go through that. And the freedom of just like being able to really help people, that was my dream, that still is my dream, is that's a very compelling, that's filled me with hope and excitement.
0: You mentioned throughout that journey, hearing God's voice and feeling this direction from God. How do you think your faith journey intersected both with that transition and then now with the work you're doing on the entrepreneur as a life coach, how does your faith journey fit into that?
1: My faith was really tested. You don't really know what your faith is until you actually have to really depend upon God. You know, when you've got that corporate income, nice six-figure income, everything provided for. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Oh, yeah, I'll keep paying my paycheck here, at company. Oh, I trust God, He'll provide me. Keep the paychecks coming. And then you go entrepreneurial and you eventually hit some point where you look at your bank account and you look at the bill you're holding in your hand and realize that the first one's smaller than the second one. And you're like, oh, this is a moment where I really got to trust God. Mm-hmm. And I think that my faith was tested and grew so much in that time. And honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why I think I've had so much success with clients as a coach is that I can look at them and I can really challenge them to say, you're in this tough spot, whatever, because everyone's in a tough spot. And you tell them you have faith in God. Do you really? Is it really a, what would real faith look like right now? Because I've been there and I've had that multiple time after time, whether it's a, whether it's a bank account, whether it's not quite sure what's going to happen regarding health and of a wife of a child, like we get there. And in those moments, that's when we really get tested and that's when we grow.
0: Yeah. I I actually um, released a podcast episode not too terribly long ago. And first Peter was the verse that I was talking about. And it talks about rejoicing in and suffering, and, and I think that's always one of those where people yeah. they misunderstand that. They think it means be happy that you're suffering, and it's like that's not actually what that means. It means when times are good, it's easy to be thankful. But you, if you truly have faith in God, you learn you can be faithful even when times aren't so great, <laughs> and you can have joy even then. Yeah,
1: and that's how we grow. That's how we really learn to lean on God and really have that relationship that gets deep.
0: Because it, sometimes it's easy if everything goes well, mm-hmm. and it's when it's when there's the hard times that you get that challenge. Speaking of that, when you're working with men today, and you, even back in your corporate job, you may have some reflection on this as well, how do you think we're challenged to you know, hold true to our own faith and the expressions of that and what that looks like, and yet, be faced with the real challenges of operating in the world today and being being able to be a functioning <laughs> member of society and all of those things that it looks like. And that, and that that creates of wanting to be loving and wanting to be that example of the gospel. And yet also sometimes being convicted to do something that maybe isn't what everyone else is doing.
1: Oh, it's a real big thing right now. I would say that this is a harder time to be a christian than any time in probably the last thousand years easy and i say that because there's so much arrayed against the forces of christendom and so i talk to a lot of guys right now that are really struggling how do i really live the faith and i think scott one of the most powerful ways that i have seen guys step into their faith is with forgiveness to with mercy and in a business setting when they've been wrong to take that first step to go back and offer mercy to offer to ask for forgiveness if they're in the wrong, whatever it is. But that living the Christian values that way can be a very powerful call. But we also have to understand that right now, not only is the world set against Christianity, but most guys aren't trained how to be strong in their faith right now. And it's unfortunate, but it's the reality. How do you stand tall and say, this is what I believe in a way that's not threatening, in a way that is definitive, but not pushy? And
0: it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. So, what are some of the ways that you've seen people successfully navigate that and respond to that?
1: Servant leadership, really big servant leadership. That's the one I think right now that I'm, I've seen the most success with. If I, I was just working with a guy who has a problem with his boss, and I said, Look, you've got a lot of great reasons right now why you are upset with what this guy, other guy's doing. But what would Jesus want to do here? And he would really just show up, engage with him, be interested in him, serve him 100%. And then so much so that the boss starts to be like, hey, what's going on here? Like, where is this coming from? And I think a lot of guys think it's about, like, I'm Catholics, so we put ashes on our forehead on Ash Wednesday, which is an awesome thing to do. But like, okay, that's it, that's my message. I went. I told the world about the faith. I'm like, nope, nope, that's not what it's about right there. It's about really loving. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And when we look at our workplace as an opportunity to love that way, it changes the game.
0: Wait, would we stop looking at you know our faith is what we do on sunday after morning and the rest of our life is completely separate from it but look at our workplace is actually an extension of that that sunday morning experience in a real way 100% so when you think about let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk you just mentioned that men aren't equipped to understand how to be strong in their faith and i think a lot of Guys feel they feel alone, they feel unequipped when it comes to self awareness, self understanding, emotional intelligence all of these other words we use to talk about it. That's just not something that men do.
1: No, it's totally <laughs> uh, true.
0: At, at least that's the message that society gives us men don't cry, men don't show their emotions, men don't this, men don't that, men don't that. What do you share with men who are going through that feeling? of, I know I need to understand this. I know I need to get better in this area. And yet I feel completely unequipped.
1: I start with some real basics. Who are you? What are you? Whose are you? Identity questions. Those Having that solid identity is what enables you to be a man. If you're drifting, if you don't know the answer to who you are, what you are and whose you are, then you have no chance of standing up in the fire because the fire is going to come, the wind's going to blow, the storm's going to come in. And if all you've got is sand, You're done for you got to start with that rock and honestly right now a lot of that rock involves understanding what a male is and understanding what is masculinity and in what way can matt can you be a strong man that is dangerous in the sense that anything that's strong there's danger there but controlled or the word i like is the biblical word meat and how do we get there except by starting with our relationship with christ and so much comes back to that so much of the work i do comes back to understanding that identity piece specifically in Christ.
0: So, mm-hmm. what does that look like for somebody who's working with you or for somebody who comes to you? You mentioned asking those questions, but go a little deeper with that. What does that actually look yeah. like for somebody? Very commonly, a
1: lot of us have a really negative self-talk voice that's going on. A lot of us are really brutal to ourselves in our head. In fact, I often joke around that if we were to say out loud the things that we say to ourselves in our head, we would be taken to jail for the way that we speak to, especially if it was to a child. Like, you just never do that. But we do that. We do do that to ourselves and our head. And so the first thing I do is I say, do you realize that our Lord is crying every time he looks at how you're treating one of his children inside your own head? And so we get into what's behind this negative self-talk. What are the doubts? What are the fears? What are the things that you as a man are doing that's blocking Christ from fully coming and being present with you in that particular area of your life in that particular way? And let's get, I'll throw a couple of examples out there. A lot of guys right now are really struggling with this idea that I'm a failure. A lot of guys struggle with the idea that I'm not enough. There's one guy I'm helping right now and he's trying to change jobs. And he, he has the, I'm a failure, buried in there really strong. And as he sold himself, I, we're talking about what he does. I'm like, dude, you're amazing. You do all that stuff by yourself. It's like five people's jobs. Everyone will want to hire you. But he had so bought the lie that he was a failure and he had so sold his heart on that that he couldn't even imagine applying to anything else because he thought it was so worthless. And so going in there through prayer, through just exploring the thoughts, where are those thoughts coming from? Why do you think you're a failure? Who told you that in life? What was going on in that situation? Why are you still telling yourself that now? What's another way to look at it? How would Christ look at it? Like These sort of questions, just prying and digging to unearth that thought and put a different one in its place.
0: Yeah, I actually had the experience of talking to a group of about 500 entrepreneurs who were all of them had a anywhere from one to five million dollar a year business yeah all of them were doing quite well <laughs> in in any sort of quote objective measure of what it means to be quite well to do well successful business. And I asked that question, I said, how many of you have a voice that talks to you in some way, shape or form inside your head every single day? Everybody's hand went up. And I said, now, if that voice is nice, keep your hand up. And every hand went down. Yep. And yet, again, objectively, all quote, successful men (laughs) in some sort of criteria. Now, again, we get into what is success really? And what does that define? That's all another conversation. But what I'm talking about is they would not be people that you would expect to have that sort of mindset problem going on. And yet here they were with that same mindset that you're talking about.
1: But this is at every level. I remember 2008, when we had the big market adjustment, the number of billionaires that lost you know, a third, whatever of their multi billions of dollars. And we're still billionaires made a suicide over how much money they lost. lost. That's not about the money at that point. That's about what's going on inside their head.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not the, it's not the number that's actually uh, important in that case. When you're working with folks on things like success, how do you approach that understanding of what success is?
1: I think there's two different two different lenses here. I think number one, baked into every human heart, there's a calling from God that you, is what you're meant to do. And when you are on that path, when you're pursuing that calling, there's a piece of you that lights up. This has never failed that when I get a guy to actually dig for it, give himself permission maybe to dream about it again, he'll find it. And if he's on the path, not there yet, on the path towards that, he starts lighting up. And that, you can see in their face, there's a smile that comes out every time. It's so beautiful. But second off, I really think that we have such a great model set out in the Bible. And if you just pursue, the Bible puts out a lot of basics over how to live your life with success. And when you're on that path, it doesn't have to be tons of money, but it has to be consistent with biblical principles. What is it in you that lights up to follow it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've got a few questions that I like to ask everybody, but before I go there, is there anything else about the work you do, the what you've discovered in working with these guys that you'd like to share with the listener?
1: One more thing I want to throw out there and this just hit me just now. I have a so there's a cycle I call the shame cycle, and this takes place in all of us, and I think this is really critical because so we've got to start naming this. And the shame cycle works like this. Uh, let's pretend I struggle with overeating. Okay, So maybe I overeat a whole ton of food because I'm feeling bad. I eat this self-talk ramps up and I launch into this shame. Oh, I'm the worst person ever. I'm so horrible. I feel so bad. The shame ramps up and ramps up. What do I do? There's only one thing I know that makes me feel better. I go back and make myself another brownie. I eat that one. Oh my gosh, you're now the worst ever. And the shame cycle ramps up even higher. What do I do? I go back and get a bowl of ice cream. Whatever it is, whether it's pornography, whether it's alcohol, whatever it is, when we get stuck in the shame cycle, It's vicious. And I think a lot of guys have this notion that you can just white knuckle your way out of the shame cycle, and that never—you can never out wrestle that piece of you. is way too desperate. The solution is you got to love yourself out of that shame cycle, and that's hard.
0: Well, that's that's actually probably that root of that shame cycle is that lack of, of self evaluation and self absolutely love. Yeah, and a lot of times, and I think it's true because you talked about earlier when you were talking about the limiting beliefs or that feeling of. I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. A lot of times those voices come to us from things that we were told as children, from things, important people in our lives. Part, they're not even our voice per se. And yet they're still playing that script out in our life. Have you seen It's so
1: one? true. So true. true.
0: So let me ask you this. My, my brand has inspired stewardship and I run things through that lens of stewardship. And yet stewardship is one of those words that, Everybody uses it. Not everybody. A lot of people use it, but it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. When you hear the word stewardship, what does it mean to you? And what does that understanding meant for your life?
1: When I hear stewardship, the first thing that pops to my mind is responsibility and the word entrusted. And I look at it this way. God has given me responsibility for a lot. He's entrusted me with a lot. He has made me the steward of this household I live in, the steward of my marriage, the steward of the people who faced in my lives to help. And what that really means, there's a responsibility there. And it's an encouraging thing. The proper masculine way to view a big job, which is really scary and daunting job is with excitement to say, whoa, I'm worth enough that God trusted me with this. And when we look at it that way, that God has said, you will be the steward of this. A, it's exciting. But B, we know that responsibility is there. We know the parable of the talents, that if we don't invest the talents that we've been entrusted with, if we don't care for those that have been given to us, there will be a time of reckoning. And honestly, what happened to the third guy who didn't take care of that talent? That's a rough gig. I don't want that.
0: So let me ask you this. This is my favorite question. I love asking this one. And yet I've been told by some guests that it's their least favorite question. So we'll see how you feel about it. Imagine for a minute, I could invent this magic machine. And I could pluck you from the chair where you are today, and I could transport you into the future, maybe 150, 250 years. And through the power of this machine, you were able to look back and see your entire life, see all of the connections, all of the ripples, all of the impacts you've left behind. What impact do you hope you've left in the world?
1: I want my children to grow up in a different life than I grew up in. This is a very powerful one for me. It's a very powerful dream that motivates a lot of what I do. I came from a very broken beginning. And a lot of abuse, a lot of bad stuff that happened. And I do believe there's such a thing as generational sin. There's such a thing as generational troubles and problems, call it what you want to. It's very clear that things seem to go in generations. I would love to see that I have created a world, at least for my own children. And maybe even if I'm asking for a little extra, for those that I've loved and touched in the world, where their lives have been changed forever from what it was before.
0: Hmm. So what's coming next? What's on the roadmap for the rest of this year? As we're about halfway through 2023,
1: what's on the roadmap? I'm always coming up with new programs. I'm really feeling a call from God right now to do a lot of work with marriage. And I've been done some work with addictions, work with pornography. And lately, gosh, has been a place in my heart that I think marriages are really struggling. And I think one of the big reasons why marriages are really struggling is because men don't know how to be men. And let me start with myself. I think it's only recently that I mean, I'm even starting to learn what it is to be a real man. Like, it's one thing to say you got to show your feelings. That is part of being a real man. Was another thing to ground yourself, to have the rock-like stability that your wife can lean in and depend on trust, and that you can be able to absorb her anger without becoming angry yourself, that you're able to hold up a different standard for yourself and say, just because my wife gets angry, doesn't mean I'm allowed to get angry. And there's this growth that I think men need to do right now, because if we lose marriage as an institution, we lose the family. If we lose the family, we are in the world's in a real rough spot at that point.
0: Hmm. You can find out more about Michael over on his website at catholiclifecoachformen.com. Of course, I'll have a link to that over in the show notes as well. Michael, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? I would invite you, if
1: you're listening and if you have troubles, to really take action. It's I sat for years on the other end of the speaker where I just listened and I said, yep, that sounds good. That sounds good, but I'm fine, but I'm fine. And the truth is I wasn't. And wh- find someone reach out, take action. These days, most therapists, most coaches, whoever you're dealing with can generally get an hour for free. And so if all you do is just go from coach to coach and get one hour free, your life will still change. So do something, get out there and you might just surprise yourself with how much better it can be. And that one thing you think is stuck and unfixable might be that God has a plan to fix that.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate,